1: Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: So governments around the world are condemning Russia for capturing Europe's largest nuclear power plant. If you're like me, you went to bed last night with, it seemed, a nuclear reactor under attack from Russia. Everybody wondering, is he trying to blow it up, or what is he trying to do? Well, they they were trying to capture it, which the Russians have. Ukraine is calling it a war crime, and as I said, being condemned by our government and many. Although, if you're going to take over a country, their biggest energy producer is probably one of the things you're going to occupy.
3: Yeah, uh, some of the employees of the uh, nuclear power plant have message the government and military saying that the russians are planting large bombs about and are going to use the nuclear plant as a blackmail device you know stop supplying uh, you know this that or the other weapon or we will blow this thing sky high uh jack and i were discussing earlier exactly what damage that would do and i, I don't know i mean it's out in the middle of nowhere of ukraine right so but i don't, I don't know
2: i don't suppose anybody really knows it's never been done. Nope. Um, did you see, there are so many videos yesterday, and just the footage of those cities that went in you know, a matter of days from looking like Omaha, Nebraska, to looking like Dresden, Germany, in, at the end of World War II.
3: Yeah, the BBC has some before and afters that are just oh, shocking.
2: It is amazing. I mean, yeah. he's just bombing apartment complexes. Right, downtown. Trying to bring sisters? the populace to their knees. I was yeah. trying to explain to my son how what a big deal this is. We've gone to war. Most of the free world goes to war now and then. You don't target apartment complexes. That's not something we do.
3: You Unless go you're their... to the end of a conflict that you decide must end now. All right. Then then
2: it's happened. But. To him to go in for no good reason and just start bombing c- civilians is just absolutely amazing. And there's an emergency meeting going on at the U.N. to declare these war crimes. Okay, well, that and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee. He doesn't care. No. I guess, I guess the international body feels like there's some reason in doing that. But anyway, did you see the video of the guy that was standing there talking, doing a, like a selfie video when the missile hit the building he was standing right in front of? Oh, my God. That would make you so twitchy and nervous, I would think, or you just come to accept it. What are you going to do? But he's standing there talking, and he looks up because he obviously hears like a whistle or something for a a split second before it hits the building right behind him, and then everything just goes black. Holy crap.
3: Craziness, craziness. So more on the situation in Ukraine. Also, drilling down on the CDC's uh, mishandling of information and misestimating COVID risk. It's just, it's something, they seem to be completely incompetent. But first, my friends, let's take a fond look back at the week that was. It's cow clips of the week.
4: This is our moment. So, Ukraine is a country in Europe. Another feather in your
1: hat.
2: No. I get it. It's time for the president and some of our European partners to quit pussyfooting around. This guy doesn't
0: have a moral limit on what he will do. A small, evil,
5: feral-eyed man. Somebody in Russia has to step up to the plate. The only way this ends, my friend, is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. Putin may circle Kyiv with tanks, but he'll
3: never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. Do
5: President
0: Zelensky, the first Jewish president of Ukraine, whose families were killed in the Holocaust,
3: is a Nazi?
2: I think that the Nazis and neo-Nazis
3: manipulate him. They don't know anything here. They were just sent here to
5: fight and to die.
3: But we met them with the
4: Molotov cocktail, which we called uh, Bandera Smoothie.
3: We
2: are not frightened by the artillery fire. In fact, if anything, it makes us more resilient. I mean, why should we flee? This is our home. What
0: would you do if someone gets into your house? So you defend it. It's almost looking like they can't
3: win. And again, they can't win because uh, Ukraine wins without losing. The worst is yet to come. Not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. Yeah.
0: So, Honestly, yeah. it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this focus theater. So, if you want to wear
2: it, yeah. fine. But this is a, this is ridiculous. At the end of the day, the president made it very clear. We're going to follow the science. How does science change? When I make a
3: mistake at work, I don't get to say the science changed.
4: Did any of us ever need the
1: mask? No.
2: You know, and that Saturday Night Live clip leads us into a good little uh, Clips of the Week uh, after party. Here's Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, just moments ago, speaking to some people.
1: I, I take no no
2: joy in saying this. I mean, if you've looked at how CDC has performed over the last however many, uh, last couple of years, the fact of the matter, it leaves a lot to be desired. There's a lot of politics. There's a lot of ideology. I mean, just think about how all of a sudden the guidance has changed right before the State of the Union address. Is that is that how science works? Does the science change based on polling data? Does the science change because you have a midterm election coming up? I mean, no. So we see that, and, and it just causes
3: people to lose confidence. In-
2: yeah. Well, some people. I mean, those of us that... Uh, n- 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 most of us have known that what he just said for a very long time, mm-hmm. and then there's the other crowd that doesn't hear it or is ignoring it or doesn't care or something. I don't know what it is. The the still masked crowd. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I just read that uh, Davis, California schools, a very very blue part of uh, California, has announced that they're going to keep their masks till at least April 11th. I oh, is that the announcement? I'm I'm flipping through all my papers here. I have quite a bit, and don't hold me that date. Um uh, da, da, da. Yeah. April 11th at the earliest. Every industrialized country on Earth has the kids out of masks. But in the COVID obsessed uh, emerald blue corners of this country, people continue to follow their cult. It's probably worth mentioning at this point. Jack, you were alluding to this this thought. And this is from uh, Kevin, our COVID correspondent. Um yeah, it seems like, as Ron DeSantis was hinting at, everybody got the memo right before the State of the Union. They literally got the memo. It's an internal Democratic polling memo titled Taking the Win Over COVID-19, explains how Democrats are getting hammered in the polls for the COVID policies, and lifts off the five-point plan for making a course correction. One, claim victory over COVID and push for normalcy. So you're going to see more and more Democrats out there saying it's important that the kids have a normal childhood. It's important that the kids have a normal school experience. Point number two, take the side of people worn out by COVID measures. You've already heard it. Look, we know you're tired of it, and so we're, we're loosening it up. Three, acknowledge that COVID is endemic. Yep, they're starting to do that. Four, repudiate the zero-COVID nonsense. Folks, we can't be claiming it's impossible to stamp out the virus. So don't claim that anymore. We're going to lose the midterm. And five, stop talking about restrictions. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants it except the bluest blue who would show up and vote for you to paraphrase paraphrase Trump if you stabbed Greta Thunberg on the Capitol Mall, okay? Okay. So don't worry about indulging those lunatics. They're already with us. Weird. Such a strange episode. I tell you what, the last, really, five to six years, I have seen humanity behave in ways I never dreamed was possible. Right. Between the whole Trump thing, the the anti-Trump derangement, The Russian collusion hoax newsroom saying our job isn't to be fair. Our job is to get rid of Trump. And then the COVID insanity. The ability to people to give away their civil liberties because some phony, lying scientist. I'm looking at you, Fauci. How's the Wuhan lab going? Told them that they had to. All that stuff is crazy. I represent science. The, The Russia, the Ukraine thing. This is all just so nuts. But it's more or less a return to history. What's nuts is the peace and prosperity, mostly, of the previous few decades.
2: So I'll keep you all updated, I guess. For those of you who live in parts of the country where you haven't really worn a mask regularly for like a year or longer, maybe. Oh, yeah. But um, mask wearing at my local grocery store is at near 100%. It goes back to 100% when my kids and I walk out. When we walk I in, it...
3: the, I hear the sound of jaws dropping all across America.
2: When we walk in, it drops down to 99%. Um, because we're the only ones in there. The last two times I've been to the grocery store without a mask on, I'll be interested to when will that end. So it's not mandatory anymore; it's completely voluntary. So I'm just wondering how long will that continue? Will it be days, weeks? Surely not months. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's driving it. So I, I, I psychologically, well, exactly. I don't, so
3: how do you figure out how it's going to end? Yeah, if psychosis is driving it, I don't know. Is there a leader who?
2: could put them to ease and again i don't understand the psycho psychology I, I remember there was a time where it was so tied to it makes you a trump supporter or a trump hater mm-hmm. i don't think it's that anymore it's some weird i don't even know what it is but like so what would be the signal that okay we can take our masks off
3: you know i read something really interesting it's probably around here somewhere but the 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 gist of it was that for a lot of people their identity became i'm super careful about covid maybe they weren't going into work maybe they didn't have human relationships because they were isolating themselves but that became a very important part of their self identification and they're having a very hard time letting that go and in the bluest areas of the country where the the hatred of trump was just you know fever pitch that became the part of, became part of a lot of people's identities it seems crazy but it is i mean it exists even though it's crazy
2: so you got to report out on how many americans are living paycheck to paycheck right now including many americans that make six figures household incomes of six figures or more that are paycheck to paycheck maybe we can look at some of those numbers if y'all want um Vladimir Putin did an interview when he first took power with Barbara Walters. It's kind of interesting to take a look back at. Maybe we'll play a highlight of that. Among other things on the way, text line is 415-295-KFTC.
3: Armstrong and Getty show. Putin on Russian state TV today praised their killers Russian soldiers Putin bragged that this murderous operation is going according to plan and Putin said quote I will never give up my belief that Russians and Ukrainians are one people that came after Putin's 90-minute call with French President Emmanuel Macron the French warned after that call quote the worst Is yet to come.
2: Yeah, that's troubling. When Macron gets off the phone with Putin and says, hey, things are going to get a lot worse. Uh, CNN is doing great coverage of this. If you uh, have been a CNN hater, like I have been for a long time, (laughs) their coverage of the Ukraine story, particularly on the ground, is fantastic. Uh, News just came out that Great Britain is moving their tank division closer to the border with Poland. The attitude in Germany has flip flopped so much in a month. In early February, only 20% of Germans were for arming the Ukrainians. Now it's up to 61%. So it grew 40% in four weeks. So, with the United States and Germany and Great Britain and all these people willing to throw more armaments into this and everything like that, you know, this escalating into something different is still on the table, obviously.
3: Oh, yes, absolutely true. Yeah. Do you have more of those German stats? I found those striking.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I do. Um, Helping Ukrainian refugees, 90% of Germans are in favor of helping refugees, which is awesome. Kick and rush out of the swift banking, 82%. Germany wasn't on board with this at all a week ago. Now 82% of the population says yes. More German troops in Eastern Europe, 68%. Halting Nord Stream, which they announced last weekend, less than a week ago. Two thirds of Germans want to hold the Nordstr- halt the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. Wow. Ukraine's accession uh, being a part of the EU, 63%. And as I mentioned, armed deliveries to Ukraine, now 61%. Attitudes can change fast. I wonder if there's any chance that happens with uh, Americans and no fly zones or anything like that. I don't know.
3: Hmm. Mm, yeah, that's controversial stuff because that's uh, open warfare, and for whatever, whatever reason, proxy wars are okay and everybody keeps their cool. But once the public sees their own guys getting shot down by the other guys, then, uh, you know, in the case of us and the Russians, then it's a different level for whatever reason. Uh, we've been receiving reams of emails from y'all at mailbag at com. Thank you for your respectful tone. If you don't have one, I don't read it. Anyway. Uh Pete writes, and these ra- range from the sublime to the ridiculous what Adolf Hitler did to Russian World War II seems to have been forgotten by Vladimir Putin from now on he should be renamed and referred to as Vladolf putler i don't pete I don't think that is helpful at all mm-hmm. Vladolf
2: putler <laughs> and and he's earning his own name as one of the worst people in history,
3: yeah, yeah, did you know? That there was an active campaign in the 20th century by Marxists, by socialists and, and communists um, to to enforce the narrative that the only genocidal dictator was Hitler. Let's not talk about Stalin and mm. Mao and those sure. guys. Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. All the time Hitler, please. I, know, I think it worked pretty well. I think it did, too. I, it wasn't
2: until I was quite a bit older that I became aware of the crimes of The Chinese government or the Russian government, I knew about Hitler from an early age. Yeah. So it's worked pretty well. Uh, Way more people killed by socialism, communism than
3: by Hitler. But that's Mm -hmm. not, you know, what I learned as a kid. I was performing my ablutions last night, writes Ben, showing off his vocabulary. Started thinking, if Putin wants to flex his muscles with a little blowback, would he A-bomb Chernobyl? It's already a nuclear fallout area. Maybe that's why he took that area first and no one knew why. It's an interesting theory. Do your ablutions include using a pumice stone on your heel? Pumice ablutions are the best ablutions, no doubt. Uh, guys. Uh, writes Scott. While I would love for Ukraine to be able to resist Russia, I keep hearing how nothing is going as planned. It's taking a lot longer than expected. Germany's World War II Blitzkrieg was considered especially swift in defeating Poland. Various accounts of how long it actually took, but the shortest is two weeks. I mean, it took at least two weeks. Yeah, I
2: think those stories are unfortunately way overblown. I mean, he's now surrounded all the cities. He's closing off the
3: ports. That's his point exactly. The 24-hour news cycle has got to support itself with stories of plucky resistance, etc. But it's just, it's uh, bumps on the road to the annihilation of Ukraine, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, if you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
0: IKEA has announced it will temporarily pause manufacturing and retail operations in Russia and Belarus due to the invasion of Ukraine, while IKEA
3: in Ukraine is opening their doors to Russian soldiers and hoping they can't find their way out. Yeah, I'm just not enjoying those jokes.
2: It must depend on how much you're cl- you're following this. Um, yeah. I'm following it so closely that I just, I can't get any enjoyment out of those jokes. So... Ikea pulling out of Russia is seen by a lot of people as a pretty big deal. That was a big cultural moment for Russians when they got Ikea, that, hey, we're like the rest of the world now, and you know, this is, we're becoming a first world open, dem- open free market sort of country, which it looked like for a while they actually were. And the fact that Ikea is now pulling out is really a, oh, we're going back to the old days. And, uh, you know, how the Russian population reacts to all this What sort of pressure they end up putting on Putin, I do not know. Oh, by the way, kind of fitting that point, uh, we've mentioned that Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina called for an assassination of Putin. Uh, He has walked that back a little this morning, but Ted Cruz, another Republican, who usually is in line with Lindsey Graham, uh, tweeted out that that is an exceptionally bad idea. So, not everybody on board. We should not be calling for the assassination of heads of state, said Ted Cruz. Yeah,
3: yeah. I guess. I I, I guess. I, I don't. I agree. It's not like. I it's, guess. <laughs> it's not like Lindsey Graham proposed a law and it's working its way through committee. He just said somebody ought to pull a Brutus on him. Yeah. Straight out of Shakespeare, the old Stabberoni. Come on. Now. <laughs> the old Stabberoni some senator saying somebody oughta in his own time is different i don't know i just can't get that worked up about it so i was doing a bunch of reading about um the, the spy craft specifically of the russians in the united states and i found it interesting and i thought you might enjoy hearing some of it uh and they talk about uh, this uh this complex this neighborhood in new york that's absolutely full of russian diplomats many of whom are spies and agents in this big building they occupy that was built on a hill so they could pick up all radio transmissions. You know, a lot of stuff out of the Americans and and, and such. If you've ever watched that, it's a great show. Uh, but they go on. There are two types of intelligence officers. Uh, and this is uh, a guy from Spycraft, who knows, uh, those who pose a symmetrical threat and those who pose an asymmetrical threat, those working in New York and living at the Plex that I was talking about, working in the missions to the United Nations, are under diplomatic cover. It's what we call a symmetrical threat. We know they're there. They're diplomats under diplomatic cover, so they actually have all the privileges. So when they're caught conducting espionage against our country, you can't throw them in jail because they're diplomats. No one likes it, but it's a fact of life. But they're different from the undercover operatives who are not under official cover in the United States. They are asymmetrical threats, uh, such as this one guy named Jack Barsky, who is straight out of the Americans. He's living as an American, um, living in a regular American life. He grew up in East Germany, was recruited, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he lived a double life in America for 10 years, was eventually arrested by the FBI. He's now an American citizen who's become a prominent author and public speaker. And I'd like to know more about him, Jack Barsky. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so uh, they're Russian. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so here's what they're doing. Here's what they're up to. Um, Rebecca Koffler, a Russian-born former intelligence officer for the U.S., called the process of having intelligence officers stationed in parts of the world the standard procedure. U.S. has folks posted all over the world. I actually met some who were private citizens who were intelligence officers. A very interesting story that uh, I wish I could tell, but I have so few details because they couldn't give them to me because hmm. they're still classified. But they were private citizens who were approached by one or more intelligence services and said, hey, you want to do your country a favor? Interesting. And they did, yeah. Um, So here's what they do, and they're diligent about it. Um, They do their homework. That's the one thing that's very different from the way we do things. We're not nearly as diligent. Kaufler, author of Putin's playbook, said Russian intelligence officers do their homework for years regardless of whether the information is pertinent to current events. They collect regardless. The Russians and the Chinese do this because that's just how they do business. They view us as threat number one, and sooner or later they believe that the inf- information will be useful, whether it's for wartime, peacetime, uh, when they want to undermine and somehow cause some sort of disruption. Russian intelligence officers who are in the U.S. under diplomatic cover are not necessarily interested in the people who live in the neighborhood. They'll try to make friendships and become close with people whom the Russian government deems potentially useful, government officials or their friends, somebody with information. It's not like they try to steal your wallet or purse and get your information that way. It's called targeteering. They identify, okay, we need a list. We need somebody in the State Department. We need somebody at the U.N. They do their homework and they study. All right, where does this person or that person hang out? Do they play golf, for example? Once they identify who exactly they need, what kind of access, they figure out that person's patterns of behavior. They would show up like on a tennis court if you're playing tennis. They would strike up a conversation with you and try to be your friend. You have no idea that you've been targeted because it all looks so innocuous and accidental. Uh, Drake, this other uh, intelligence officer, said Russian intelligence agents are looking to get classified or proprietary information, um, and the information they want depends on the flavor of the day. Uh, during his time investigating Russian operatives and goals, Chechnya was among the top in, uh, topics of importance. They wanted to know what different organizations were do, doing to support or defend Chechnya. Cancer research, believe it or not, was a huge one. They also wanted to track shipping, all kinds of things. They're tracking things like meals ready to eat, because that might tell you where the U.S. forces are building up or not building up. Um Based on his experience, he estimates that 95 to 98% of the information that intelligence officers are collecting is benign, while the remaining 5 to 2 to 5% is classified. It's proprietary that does the greater damage, but they want to know everything about everything. I
2: think, I've always assumed this, I think that they drown in this information and most of it is useless. There'd just be no way you could collate it and use it anyway. They just think. In their weird communist system, that it's worth, you know, having somebody at the grocery store keeping track of how many eggs are sold or whatever. Where's that paperwork ever going? And who's ever looking at it and using it for anything?
3: Well, yeah, that was a set of various uh, anti terrorism investigations after 9 11 that we're collecting so much information, we can't use any of yeah. it. We can't find the good stuff. And then James Clapper lied and rubbed his forehead and blah, blah, blah. Unless you were.
2: Involved in something particularly interesting, I think most of being one of these informer spy type people would just be exceptionally boring. Um, it seems really could like be really cool and be a fun thing, but you can't tell anybody. The coolest part of it would be if you could tell somebody, but you can't tell anybody anyway. And then the part that you're actually doing is not satisfying because you're just like sending off paperwork every week of how many cars were sold
3: at the plant you work at or whatever. Yeah, I guess, although I think a certain sort of person excels at that sort of work. Um, I just had a conversation with our accountant the other day on the phone. Hell of a nice guy. Good at his job. I couldn't do his job for a day. My head would be in a noose.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I will wonder for the rest of my life, probably, when I went on my trip to uh, Gladys... It's Friday, but you still you're, you're still getting paid for today. Five you get, day work week, yeah. darling. Huh? Gladys is our harp player, and when we're hearkening back to an earlier time, <laughs> you, you hear the harp. Exactly. When I went to Russia in January of two thousand seven, I I I at this point think there is almost certainly a file on me somewhere. Speaking of benign, useless information, but I always wondered to what extent. They were keeping an eye on me I was way off base On on to what extent Russia was a tourist destination (laughs) It was not at all And I gotta believe it triggered Some level of interest That somebody in the American media Was coming to Russia And bumping around Moscow and St. Petersburg I doubt that I just went in and out Completely unnoticed Or unremarked upon And then the thing that one of the things that seemed weirdest to me the whole time was the hotel I was staying at, this big gray, straight out of everything you've ever seen or read about the Soviet Union hotel. Bland in every way. But when I'd get up in the morning, there would be this giant spread of breakfast, and there was nobody at the hotel. Nobody. I was the only person down there. And there would be chefs standing around with, like, you know, napkins over their arms looking at me and talking to me in Russian, and I don't speak any Russian, so I couldn't even order any food if I wanted to. And they had, like, 15 different kinds of caviar and all this sort of... This huge spread that came with your meal in the morning, or came with the room. And there was nobody. I mean, nobody. I was the only human being there. And wow, so that's just bizarre. I've come to wonder if they put that on for me after I booked the place to try to make it look like to the American journalist that they had, you know, bountiful harvests or something. I don't know. I,
3: I don't know. That's so weird. It
2: doesn't make sense from a from an economic supply and demand standpoint, unless they were expecting a much busier January in 2007 than they got at that hotel, because there was not a single other human being being down there. And they had all this food prepared every morning that I was there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to FBI agents who worked in Moscow and um, and they uh, knew every single conversation was being recorded all the time. Their rooms were bugged. Yeah, uh, I probably Yeah,
2: I was probably in a room that that they were listening. They didn't hear much. Um, I was by myself. And uh, the the other funny part of it that I've, I've always wondered about is the the guy that got so mad at me when I landed at the airport in Moscow. Just so freaking angry with me. I was scared to death from that moment on. I realized at that point I had made a terrible mistake in thinking that I was, a, you know, a global traveler and every, and everything like that. I'd been to, you know, Italy and and, and, uh, and and London and various places where everybody spoke English. You know, Canada, places in Mexico where there's so much English around. Any dope could make their, uh, there was zero when I landed in Moscow, not a word of it. Nobody speaking it. Nothing on any like ATM that would give you any English words or nothing anywhere. But when I got when I was at the airport, I walked up with my passport. This guy started shouting at me in Russian. And I just kept shrugging my shoulders like I don't I, I don't speak Russian. I don't want talking. talk. And he took off his hat and he was hitting his hat on the table and wow. slamming my passport on the table and pointing, pointing at signs and yelling at me. This young guy in military gear. I mean, he was a. Some sort of official. Wow. I have no idea what I did or didn't do, what he was mad about, or if he was just saying, You're freaking coming to Russia, you moronic American, and you don't have this form or that form or don't speak English. I don't know what he was saying to me, but wow. he was really, really animated, and I was freaking frightened.
3: I wonder if the people around you were really enjoying the show. And there was hardly like anybody around stupid me. American.
2: I think I was, I was practically alone. Um, wow yeah i was talking to this guy all by myself that's why i was so scared i thought this guy could tell me i need to go this direction and i go to a room but i don't i may never be seen again i don't know what's going to happen here Yikes. and he finally finally waved me on through and then i was there I was standing in there in the uh because i landed like i flew in the middle of the night cheapest flight i could get out of sfo and there, there's just nobody in the airport and i'm standing there and uh, looking around and thinking now what do i do because like i said not a word of english i didn't know like where do I go to an ATM to get any money? How do I get a taxi cab to the train station? How do I do anything? It was so Ugh. horrible. <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting experience, you know, in retrospect. But at the time, I was just sweating bullets. I have no freaking idea. I spent six hours at the train station once I got there trying to figure out how to get on a train to St. Petersburg because I already had a hotel room booked. Six hours. Wow. Till finally, somebody who spoke English, I heard way over there. I ran over to you. Speak English. Yeah. And he helped me get a ticket to where I was going and how to handle the deal, or I, I might have just died there. I don't
3: know. Well, I'd have kissed him right on the mouth, which would, you know, <laughs> end me up in a gulag, probably. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think that's against the law still in Russia. Yikes. Uh, we'll finish strong. We, we always do. Our text line is four one five two nine five kftc
5: The Armstrong and
2: Getty Show. I've got a couple of interesting texts on that story. One was the guy asking for a bribe. You know, that's quite possible. It's one of the most corrupt oh, good
3: One of the yeah. most
2: corrupt places on earth. Maybe he was, you know, yelling at me. You dumb American! You have to give me, you know, a hundred bucks if you want to walk through here. How many times do I have I, to say it? He's probably. I
3: gotta kick you right
2: in a borscht. And he was probably thinking, you don't speak Russian? What are you doing here, you idiots? Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, and somebody else, Jack, take a tour group next time. I'd rather end up in the gulag in the 30s than go with a tour
3: group. <laughs> tour groups aren't so bad. If you're not me. All right. Sounds,
2: sounds horrible.
3: Yeah, okay, so uh, we don't have a lot of time left. I want to throw a couple things in real quick, a little bingo, bango, bongo. First of all, uh special investigator in Wisconsin has turned up serious irregularities in nursing home voting patterns in some of the key Democratic uh, counties in that state that was won by a couple of tens of thousands of votes by, uh, what's-his-face, Joe Biden, the president, um, including... 95% uh, voter turnout in Milwaukee, Racine, Dane, Kenosha, and Brown counties, and 100% nursing home resident ballot casting in, uh, in a couple of counties, a couple of those counties. And uh, that is unprecedented and wild, and a number of those people are actually non-composmentous. They are legally unable to deal with themselves. So... Uh, you know, where that goes, nobody knows. Um, but I think it's interesting, and as I said earlier, and this is so important, I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, black, white, green, or Russian, spy, or whatever. If If Americans aren't sure that every ballot is legitimate, our entire system falls apart. Now, asking for an ID ain't voter suppression. Black people don't think it is. Nobody thinks that is. So why would you be claiming it is so loudly? Is it because you like to stuff ballot boxes? I think that's the answer. Mm. But we lose faith in the ballot. We lose the country. There's a uh, tweet by the DCCC a few weeks back, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, that was panned then. I missed it. It's it's even more hilarious now. It showed gas prices going down, and it said, thanks, President Biden. But the y-axis had no... That's the the, the horizontal axis. It had no dates on it. And so it showed gas prices going down a few cents a gallon. Well, it was over the course of like two days. Mm. And then they skyrocketed back up again, having skyrocketed before those two days. So now as you enjoy paying a... What what they used to call a $5 bill, a fin. Now as you enjoy paying a fin or more for every gallon of gas, now you can really say, thanks, Joe Biden. Gentlemen, this is Final Thoughts Manifest with Armstrong and Getty. I see you know your judo well. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. Hmm? Michelangelo, our technical director, will lead us off. Michael? Yeah, hearing that Russia story from Jack just reminds me why I don't travel. The only (laughs) traveling I've done was I once had my foot in the Nevada border... And then the other foot in the California border. And that's as far as I've gone. There you go. It's very exciting. Good stuff. Young Alex is continuing his debaucheries in Las Vegas. I think he'll be back Monday, right? Uh, Anyway, uh, Jack, do you have a final thought for us?
2: What do you think? Do you think Putin at this point wants to kill President Zelensky? I guarantee you he did at the beginning. And if he could have, he would have. But at this point, do you think he wants to? Or does he want to just... Go through with a long siege In which they finally give Because they're starving
3: This is going to take my final thought time But that's fine I suspect at this point And it's just a guess That he wants an exhausted and humiliated Zelensky To surrender and then make a hostage speech at gunpoint
2: Right, right Yeah, I don't think he wants to kill Zelensky at this
3: at this point No, he doesn't ins- want to create a martyr
2: No, there'd be an insurgency for years And everybody's helmet would have a picture of Vladimir Zelensky On the side of it
3: Maybe for the next three hundred years.
2: Yeah, yeah, he might be that kind of figure, especially in Ukraine. Yeah, um, boy, that siege is going to be something to watch, and it'll be interesting. Ugh. How long can the West keep their attention span? I was listening to a good podcast about the other day about that. We don't have a good attention span anymore. How long can we pay attention to this before we get uh, sucked off into some other story?
3: Mm. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people, thanks a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can get some great swag there, a T-shirt or hoodie or something like that. If you missed a part of the show, grab the Armstrong and Getty On Demand podcast. Slow down, Joe. It'll be fine. Or you drop us an email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com.
2: Yep, we'll see you on Monday. God bless America.
3: Armstrong and Getty. They are ruthless. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. I think that you may be over-egging the pudding. I
4: expected more. Okay. Come on! The only way this ends, my friend, is... It's a take huh? a can attack
1: my wife! A can.
4: These conversations are intrinsically multifaceted. His plan, while audacious, is highly flawed. I'm just saying, take care. Wear your mask. You do not have to wear
3: those masks. I mean, please take care yeah.
1: Okay? Have a great Friday, you motherfucker!